Looking to make the rest of your life the best part of your life? Every week, the Words for Life podcast has principles and testimonies that will help us become a little better than we were yesterday. This will positively impact your life. Welcome to another Words for Life discussion. I'm your host, Terrence Farrell, a.k.a. T. Farrell. And before we get started with this episode, I wanted to share an epiphany that I had. Now, it's for me. I don't know if it, if it, if it blesses you, cool, but I just wanted to share it because I know it's going to bless somebody. The epiphany was stop asking God to help you and start asking God to work through you. Now, I'm the type of dude I always ask God for help. Help me produce this song. Help me, you know, say the right things here. Help me say the right things here. And it came to me um, this week that when you keep asking God to help you do something, at the end of the day, I did it. God helped me, but he helped me do it. I did it. And it was just like, so you can naturally say, yeah, I thank God for doing this and that, but you walk around like I did it. Now, whether I consciously did that or subconsciously, just the flipping the words, asking God to work through me. So it's God, you do it. Just use me to do it. And I'm telling you, it shows I'm born. Just that little shift in, in, in thinking changed everything for me. Because now it's not me doing it. Now it's just like, God, you do it. And when it looks like it's not working, it's like, hey, God, this ain't me. This is you. So I know you can do it. Like, it, <laughs> this ain't on me. This is on you. I mean, of course, as long as you're walking in his will and all of that. But all of that said, when you start relying on him as you're doing it, you're just using my arms, my legs, my eyes, all of that, it changes everything. So wanted to share that. I know it's going to bless somebody, so I just wanted to, it, it was on my heart to share, so I had to be obedient and do that. Now, this week, our special guest is film score composer Gregory Villefranc. Now, I've worked with him way back in the day, man. Like, I remember when he was just getting started, him and his boy, and it came by my studio. It wasn't, it wasn't what it is today, but I'm going to read, like, little uh, highlights from, from his bio. So he's a husband and father of three children. Um, I call him G. G is in love with music, with the music making process, especially as it relates to film, TV, audio books, podcasts, and video games. His compositions have been featured on major networks like VH1, Oxygen, MTV, just to name a few. He's also received placements in several popular reality shows like Keeping Up with the Kardashians, Love and Hip Hop, Preachers of LA, and many others. Um, I just know this dude. Now, here's why, here's one of the reasons I got him on. I mean, he's a good friend, he's good at what he does, but he's hit this like string of authenticity that I just think is beneficial to everyone. And it's just, even if you're not in, in, uh, entrepreneurial position just for you to start becoming more authentic. I believe you just start, you, you have the opportunity to bless more people, but I'm going to stop talking now, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, help me welcome my friend G G how you doing, man? Yes. Yes. My brother, I'm doing well. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's good to, it's good to connect again, man. I see the yeah. super dad shirt. That's what's up. 
Yeah. Gotta, you know, you already know how that is. This the dad life. We it's an ongoing superhero gig. We don't take the cape off ever. Yes, yes, yes. Sometimes we hide the cape, but it's always yeah. there. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> always there. So now I wanted to start off asking, what's one of the principles that you try to follow um to just so you can live life the way you want to live life? That's a great question, man. Um, obviously, you know, I'm just two believers chatting up. Yeah, uh, where our source of power is, our it's like the opposite of kryptonite. That thing that that literally powers us every day. Um, the sun, as in the S O N. You know, like when Superman flew above the clouds after getting stabbed at the kryptonite. You know, thing. I'm sorry. I'm I'm all superheroed out. It's all good. It's all good. Dude, rock with it. Broke through those clouds, and he just he knew that he had to re. He knew that the strength couldn't come from within him. So I draw from that. I draw from pop culture all the time to align, realign my faith, especially when I'm just like not connected. And one of the best ways for me to answer that question is to go back to the source. So that's the first step. The second step is very similar to what you, that point that you were saying, like now it's time for action. It's like, okay, well, God doesn't do everything. He's given us the gift of free will and working within his will. I think we have a little sliver of that will. And it's like, okay, well, you can go build a house. It's like, but God, nope, I gave you hands for a reason. <laughs> I gave you a back to lift up that that boulder. And I gave you a brain to maybe hire someone else to lift it for you. So, <laughs> right? So there's different means of, 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 which gets me to the next point for me. And I was just telling, it's amazing. I was just telling my sister this. We just got off the phone. She asked me a very similar question. And for me, it's project management. It's literally project management. And that goes from the actual projects that we're working on. Um, and I hate to sound, make my wife and kids sound like a project, but I had a, a boy like Rock, who, you know, you, you talked to yeah. about, he and I were talking just recently, and I don't know if he remembered, but he was, he was one of the first people that said, you know, gee, you're very project oriented. And back then when I'm young, I took that as an insult. I was like, what are you trying to say? You're trying to say I can't create on the fly. You're trying to say I can't, you know, I can't freestyle. He's like, no, no. He's like, you, he said, I, he said, I wish artists, artists wish we were more like you. We wish we could be more organized and compartmentalize our ideas and songs and, and music and mixing and all of that. So for me, the long and short answer would be project management, whatever that means to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. I mean, and that's something that, man, I, I, I still struggle with today because it's like, oh, man, I got this idea here. I got this idea. And then you start thinking, well, I got to do that. And I got because nobody could do it like like what's in my head and right. the project management. People don't understand or I didn't understand. It just lets more things flow and it lets yes. other ideas flourish. And it's just it's it, that's a, that's a beautiful concept. I love it, man. I yeah, I mean, I mean, God is project oriented when you really think about it, because he could have just made the world like all in one shot, but he spaced it out in days like day one, do this, day two, do that. And that's exactly like in the film world, bro, like when you're taking on the projects that I've taken on, especially for film and audio, I mean, mixing a track uh, of like 50 tracks, maybe, you know, maybe 70 tracks is one thing, but like hundreds and hundreds of tracks, sound effects music stems, uh, Foley, uh, all of that stuff together is just like, it can be really maddening. And if you think you're just going to mix a, an hour, 30 minute long film, just in one shot, you're grossly mistaken. Mm -hmm. So I instantly, when I get a film, I automatically start thinking compartmentalizing. 
do I focus on the audio first? Um, do I, you know, because it's problematic. So I'm like, I'm a, I'm a knucklehead. So I'd rather just get the hard stuff out of the way and then work on the fun, easy stuff. And that's a lot like life. So for me, it's all project management and isn't everything that I do, especially now being so busy. I schedule time with my family. I know it sounds really douchey, but <laughs> um, making making dates, not just having, okay, everybody, let's all sit together. It's like, no, make them feel special. So 10 minutes here with my son, another 15 minutes after that, um, 30 minutes with my youngest, obviously, so, you know, somewhat, some time, one-on-one time with the queen all during the day. So they feel like, wow, he is either completely unorganized and doesn't care about the project he's working on, or somehow he's got me on a schedule. And I don't know how to feel about that, but at least I have some of his time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I find that that is really helping both sides. Like I'm getting the work done mm-hmm. and then my wife is not giving me the screw face when it's bedtime. Like, uh-huh. So now you're just going to roll up in here like. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's key information. I mean, cause a lot of times I would be down here and I'd be working, working. And then it's like the sixth sense would go off. Like you ain't been upstairs in a minute. Like, okay, we got to shut this down and go upstairs. And it's like, you know, and you can't just like, Hey, how you doing? You good? Okay. I'm going back down. It's, it, it, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. I learned that the hard way, but <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's, that's good info, man. Good info. Now I want to switch gears a little bit because um, I want to ask, What's one of the toughest things God's pulled you through? Wow. Um, <clears throat> one of the toughest things God has pulled me through would have to be anxiety and depression. And I would be remiss if I did not bring up mental health. Um, in this day and age, mm-hmm. this pandemic um, and the PTSD that it's caused, a lot of people take PTSD as only relegated to people who've been around the sound of firearms and bombs going off because they're fighting overseas. And, you know, again, shout outs to all those who serve a memor- happy memorial- belated Memorial Day. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, PTSD can be just something as simple as being cooped up in the house all day, having to wear a mask. Like, I know that my parents are struggling. Um, people in that age bracket are struggling because the idea of not going next door to my neighbor's house and getting close and having a conversation. Like I had a conversation, a candid conversation with my mom the other day and she, she's having a hard time with that. The whole concept, I think they're just now getting used to it. You know, our generation, we were like, oh, okay. I mean, it's going to suck a little bit, but you know, I'm a bit of a recluse anyway. So I kind of like to hide <laughs> being, <laughs> being remote was no problem for me, but there's some people out there that they literally thrive off of, human interaction. That's how we were designed, right? Right. But the thing that I would say God took me through um, would be anxiety and depression. I, I like to think of myself as a as a anxiety and depression warrior. So it's a, it's a daily battle, but I've been winning a lot of the skirmishes lately because the, the dark times when I just gave up and I was like, God, look, I can't continue to, to go on stage or I can't continue to uh, reach out to clients and say, hey, um, and then they asked me, is everything okay? Lie and say, everything is great. I, Lord, I can't do it anymore. And so for me, it was like, I need to be more transparent. So having open and honest conversations with clients, with prospective clients, with friends, with strangers about mental health has been a huge relief, especially now with the playing field leveled. Mm-hmm. Everybody and anybody is open 
to talking about mental health. And most of the times I spend my time listening because they got something they want to get off their chest. And I think that solidarity, um, I think that was really what sort of brought it home for me. And I realized that um, mental health is, is a ministry in a way. And so when I looked at it that way, that's when I feel like God pulled me through it. It's like, okay, finally, he, this knucklehead realizes it's not just about him. Like there are other people who feel they may just be really much better at hiding it than he is. I'm going to, I'm going to use his pain as a vehicle for him to say, okay, now I have empathy. Now I can talk to so-and-so down the street who I heard was struggling with thoughts of suicide or so-and-so down the street who is having panic attacks and stuff like that. Cause I've experienced all of that. And so I can now be that best and let's say, hey, you know, let's talk. Let's have a conversation. I can tell you about how music saved my life. I can tell you about how audio saved my life. And then I can tell you about how God just, he was the one who orchestrated the whole thing. So technically he saved my life, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I hope that answers your, your question. No, 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 it does. It does. Um, and it, it ties right into, because this is, I, I found out doing a little research that June is uh, Men's Health Awareness Month. Yes. And one of the things that men don't talk about is the mental health. Like, I remember I was going through some things and it's just like, nah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm T I'm good. I'm a, I'm a, I'm I'm a Christian. I'm a drummer. I'm a drum it out. I'm a pray it out. I'm a just, you know, positive think it out. And, you know, I found myself crying about certain things and it was just like, yo, like this is getting tougher and tough. And, Throw children on top of that. It just it could it could take you it could take you not take you out, but it could take you close to being out if you don't reach for help. Yeah. And um, I don't know if you got professional help or I was going to ask how tough is it? How tough was it for you to go for professional help? Or is it one of those things like, nah, I still didn't do that. I got over a different way. Um, It's a combination of both. So my my battle with mental health started when I was very young. Mm. Um, all throughout, I'm going to say, when you're raised by um, West Indian parents, it's 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 a tough upbringing. Um, my mom was the chill one. My dad, he was a disciplinarian. Coming up, he's um, um he's he's from Haiti. Um, he was being raised to be a priest, so that should tell you a lot about his how he thought about things. Um, he and I have an amazing relationship today, both my parents. So thank God for that. Mm-hmm. But back then we did not, I would, I can honestly say we didn't like each other. I I feel like I was supposed to be the savior of the family. Again, the Superman complex, right? I was supposed to be the one that would take it to the next level. Now it was not on some stuff like, oh, the first one to go to college. Nah, bro, this Tons of pressure. Both my parents have a, a regular degree and some sort of professional degree. My dad has his um, his uh, degree from City College. Then he got he went and got his medical degree from Me- in Mexico. My mom got her got her degree at Medgar Evers, and then she went to I forgot what she did, but she got it. She got her master's degree while she was pregnant with my youngest sister. Wow. So when I tell you, <laughs> first of all, they came straight off the boat mm-hmm. and did all those things. So their expectations are way higher than some of my my colleagues whose parents came from the boat and didn't do any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So imagine now I'm placed on this pedestal at a very young age. My dad has me reading behavioral behavioral science books at six and seven years old. Like 
And then, of course, I think back now to like my extensive vocabulary. I'm like, okay, maybe that I can see why I can see how that has benefited me over the years. Right. But it it was it was um, it started very early. The pressure was too much. I didn't have a chance to really enjoy that part of my childhood when my friends were out, you know, on the summertime playing. Um, my dad would call us back and have us do book reports, like in the summer. Like the teacher didn't send home work right. <laughs> for the summer, right. but my yeah. dad. He made stuff up. Like I was preparing for the SATs when I was in the fifth, sixth grade. What? He was really serious about it. Um, And it came to a head when I couldn't, when a child can't take it anymore, good child, bad child, or indifferent, that child will rebel. And I was a good kid and Mm -hmm. I rebelled by my grades. I had tests through in front of me and I knew I could ace it like with like this, with one, you know, one head tied behind my back and my eyes closed. Right. I would be like, eh, I'm going to do a 75 today. That's literally what I was. I was wow. just enough to get by where I wouldn't fail. Right. But just enough to let him know. It's like I was kind of getting back at him. But it was toxic. It became toxic really quickly. Um, the the I'm disappointed in you's eventually got the best of me. So by the time I'm in high school, I'm hyperventilating every day. I'm like, <laughs> I literally walked with, to school with uh, like two or three brown paper bags with mm-hmm. me and then eventually an inhaler. Mm-hmm. Um, so when my mom was the realist, my mom was like, dude, um, either you do something, talking to my dad now, either you do something or I will. And that's when my mom was like, well, let's take him to a psychologist, at least have him talk to somebody because clearly we're missing the mark someplace. Um, so essentially what happened, the long story short, um, I went through that process for a couple of years, did antidepressants. And by like the fourth year, I just got sick of it because these psychologists that I was talking to were all like falling asleep during me telling like my deepest, darkest secrets. Oh, man. And I was like, okay, either I'm incredibly boring or there's nothing wrong with me. Right. 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 <laughs> so um, nothing wrong that would you know warrant me being in a straitjacket because even back then, I don't know what it is about society, but even back then, bro, my fear was that I would say the wrong thing. And then there were two big burly dudes on this other side of a like double mirror. Yeah, yeah. Straight jacket, just waiting to take me away. So that anxiety for those sessions was like heightened. Every time I'd go, I'd be like, oh man, how do I I don't want to say the wrong thing? Turns out there was nobody behind it. It was a regular mirror. There wasn't nobody back there. He even showed me one day. And as I took myself less seriously, I started to think more about healing. I eventually got baptized in 1990, November 16th, 1990. I'll never forget that day. Pastor Saunders was preaching and there was something about the way he did it that completely transcended all of my stuff because I'd sit sit there listening to preachers preach and I'm like, there's no way you're getting through my impenetrable armor of depression and anxiety. I'm, I'm sitting in it and I love it. I became, it got to the point, bro, where I enjoyed being sad. I enjoyed being depressed. And I won't say enjoyed, but I did not know how to accept joy and love and that thing, you know, because my dad didn't really give affection. Again, long story short, it all started coming to a head after that moment. When I got baptized, um, I started to see things differently. I literally started to see how I needed to be the bigger person. I needed to approach my dad and say, hey, pop, you know, it hurts me when this, it bothers me when you. And I remember the first time I had that conversation when my dad cried like a baby, I'll never forget it. Mm. And I found no joy in it, but I did find a sense of relief. Like, oh, wow. So he is human. Yeah. He does yeah. feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was the path 
that took me on the path towards working my way back. Um, that was the sort of the spark, I think, mm-hmm. when things started turning around. I got you. I got you. No, and 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 it's it's. I'm glad you shared that. I'm 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 glad you you're as as candid and authentic as you are. Um, so- just to let people know there is no one path because you know now it's like oh well I, I think everybody needs therapy and this, it's like okay therapy is good there's nothing wrong with therapy right but everybody has a different path and you know a bad therapist it could make things worse you know it just is because i've ran into a situation myself starting to realize okay maybe i do need therapy with you know some things in my past my dad the way i was raised and mm-hmm. all of that and I had some recommendations from a therapist who was a friend because she said, if I'm your friend, I can't be your therapist. Mm. And so I was like, all right, I I appreciate that. She gave me three names. I called the first person and I'm like, all right, here's the deal. You know, I'm raising a raising a three year old. He's saying some things back to me and I want to I want to treat him like my dad treated me, which was like, bam, and just, you know, just knock him out, like hit him across the room, beat him till he doesn't do what I don't want him to do. Right. And she was like, well, you know, you can hit your kids. And I was like, yeah, okay, but I'm calling you because I don't want to hit my kid. Like, <laughs> I think that's the wrong thing to do. Yes, yes. And I think she said, she said something to the effect like, I mean, okay, if you want to talk, I mean, we could talk. I'm just wow. like, well, you know, if we don't need to talk, then maybe I'll just go home and pray. Like, yeah, let's yeah. go. And it's just, it was just the wrong type yeah. of situation. So I just, I'm glad that you shared that. Yeah, you had a therapist, but hey, a bad therapist is a bad therapist, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now let me flip this whole thing around and so, ask you, um, what's one of the your most memorable success stories? Wow. One of my most memorable success stories would have to be, that's a very good question, bro. I think one of my most memorable success stories was... Um, this is not even gonna be what you think it is. It has nothing to do with the credits I've the God that, that God's blessed me with. This mm-hmm. is a very specific. You you know I'm, you know you know that I sing, mm-hmm. um, and I haven't really shared the story with you yet. Um, I didn't know that I could sing for many years. Like I did. I mean, I knew that I could hold the note. I knew that I had an, a, an amazing ear. I could hear somebody sing a note, and I'd instantly be able to find out what's above them or beneath them and harmonize. That was just, I just, it just came naturally to me. I played piano by ear and I was six, seven, you know, um, I didn't have much guidance, but it was like my way out mm-hmm. of like, you know, deep, dark stuff. Um, but again, going back to that high school period, I'm hyperventilating every day. I'm just feeling like a scrub. Uh, near my junior year, I met these three guys. They were seniors. So by this time, they're just coasting. So the three of them were going around singing boys to men songs. And the more I heard them sing, the more it irked me. Cause I'm like, boys to men is four people. How are they singing? It was like, it drove me nuts. Cause I'm like, there should be a part right there. And so one of them would try to sing bass, but then in order to do that, he had to give up the note he was singing. Right. And my ears were like bleeding, like, oh God, please make it stop. So one day this nerdy, lanky kid who's grown out of his body, who would never ever approach any senior for any reason just went up to them. They were singing um, Down on Bended Knee by Boyz II Men. And I just came in and I started singing with them in the middle of the song. And they they looked back, they didn't stop, but they looked back like, and as we sang, um, it just felt really good. So long story short now, we singing, 
I made obviously made friends with them. They actually looked out for me, so they were like my big brothers. Nobody touched me after that. And the girls, the girls, the girls. Oh Lord! Now this nerdy <laughs> kid all of a sudden is getting this all of this attention that he wasn't used to. And then we're going to touch on that later too. Like too much positive in- reinforcement can also be bad for your mental health. Mm. Um, but maybe that's another podcast. But, <laughs> <laughs> but man, we were we were going through the lunchrooms, cutting class. Don't worry, guys. I already t- my parents already know, so you don't have to worry about telling on me. We cut <laughs> class. We'd sing these songs. We do like birthday requests for the girls that had the big birthday balloons. And we'd be like, oh, it's your birthday. We sing, like, what you want? We sing. Not knowing that one of the guys, his name was Desmond, he had this little pocket tape recorder. And he had always been taping our sessions unbeknownst to us. At the end of the year, he pulls out the tape because, yo, listen to this. You remember this? And he's playing the back. And I'm just like, I remember the song, but there's a voice that I don't recognize. And I didn't say it because I felt like, oh boy, I feel like I'm going crazy again. Mind you, again, positive reinforcement. There's a there's a shift happening here. Mm-hmm. And bro, when I tell you cold sweats, like every time they brought the conversation up, I became, it was even worse than the panic attacks I had because I felt like I was being misunderstood. Because that was I felt like something was happening to me. Mm. Almost like you 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 open your eyes and like a bread beam of laser shoots out. You're like, oh my God, what is this? <laughs> And I knew subconsciously, I knew what was happening, but my conscious fought so hard. So my conscious was like, there's no way you can sing. Don't even think about it. That has to be somebody else's voice. And I convinced myself. So when I actually was brave enough to bring it up to them, and I said, I was like, yo, I'm just gonna ask straight up, yo, who is that? Cause I don't know who that is. And one, they just laughed because they thought I was playing. Like, yo, gee, you got a you funny, funny guy. It's a funny sense of you, stop playing. Can we, can we go practice now? That's like, I was like, no. And I literally had a breakdown right there. I said, yo, I need to know right now, who the hell is that? And they said, yo, gee, chill, like calm down. They had me sit down. I'm I'm hyper, I'm gone. Like I can barely breathe. They're like, yo, gee, chill, like for real. Like, do we need to call somebody? Wow. But I just kept saying, even through the bag, like, yo, who is that? And finally Desmond put his arm around me. He said, bro, I don't know what you're going through, man, but that is you. This is you. Like. I don't know how to convince you, but this is you. And I just ran. I was like, nah, it was like one of those ABC after school specials. I ran off like, no, no way. I ran off. I hopped on the train. I left school early, hopped on the train and I went home. And this was a pivotal shift. When I got home, I had my own tape recorder. Mm -hmm. And I remember before I even put a tape in, I said, God, I'm about to do something. And I need to know that you're with me. And I put up, popped the tape in. I hit record. I took a deep breath. And to the best of my ability, I sang his eyes on the sparrow. Bro, it took me maybe 30 minutes to press play after I rewinded it because I was scared because mm. I realized this was a turning point. Something was happening. When I pressed play and I heard the voice that was supposedly my own, I completely broke down. That was when everything, everything that people tried to hide from me, my destiny or keep me from it, it all spilled out. When I say I had no idea, I'm telling you, I had no idea. So imagine this kid who's like a big kid now. I'm like 17, 16, 17. I'm on the floor with my tape recorder, just laughing, giggling, crying, rewind, pause, trying something else, going back and listening to it. And I kept this a secret for six months successfully. Wow. One day I'm washing the dishes. I completely let my guard down. My mom forgot her keys because she normally goes out to work. She forgets her keys and she comes back 
And my mom's like a ninja. I've always told her this. Like, mom, you <laughs> got to give somebody a warning. You just creep up on people. And so I'm singing some, I'm scatting or something. I'm washing the dishes. I got my little Sony Walkman on. Um, cause Boyz II Men is all I listen to. Boyz II Men, Brian McKnight, all those OGs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And somebody taps me on the shoulder and I freak out and it's my mom. And my mom is like, bro, you are going to sing at church this Sabbath. Oh, and she said, she said, she's crying. She's like, she can't believe it. She's like, oh my gosh, your voice. Like what, what, where did this come from? And so we sat there on the floor crying together mm. and she's like, I'm so proud of you. I knew there was something inside of you. I hope this helps you now. And she literally dragged me on stage that Sabbath and I sang, um, and to make matters. And here's what really did it for me. And it wasn't all, it, it wasn't what you th- what anyone would think. It was one specific night I sang at a, at a, um, at a crusade. And there was a young lady who I hadn't seen since we were like grade school. She says, Greg, I don't know if you remember me, but we went to grade school together. I said, oh yeah, I remember you, how are you? She was like, I was not good until I heard this song. She said, I had a plan laid out of how I was gonna take my life tonight. Um, I even had a backup plan if the original plan didn't work. And she said, when you sang this song, the way that you sang and me knowing who you are and how we grew up together, lets me know that there's hope for me. And the song I sang was His Eyes on the Sparrow. The first song that I had sung, mm. consciously thinking, okay, okay, I, maybe I can do this. That was the pivotal point of my career, would you say? Yeah. yeah when it comes yeah. to success, because that w- it wasn't an accolade, it wasn't awards and all of the things that I've achieved and I'm still trying to achieve, they're all great. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I'll take, if I can take a picture from my brother Lionel's book, um, it's only one part of it. like. I know that I'm destined for something greater than even my aspirations and the things that I want to do. Mm-hmm. I had no idea this person was in the audience. I hadn't seen her since we were children. And for her to say what she said, only God, only a designer, a great designer could do something like that and put something like that together. Mm-hmm. So for me, I was completely blown away by that. And that was the point when I accepted it. And I said, you know what? I wear this as a badge of honor. And that's when you'd see me at come to Kingsborough. I did my little Kingsborough run. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite places to minister. I mean, I mean, all the beautiful girls that, that, that didn't <laughs> hurt. Um, <laughs> but that was really, for me, that was that point that said, you know what? This is the, war, the, the way walking in it. That mm-hmm. was like very clear, like almost like a light shining down, pointing out the path. And I saw it. And I, mm-hmm. ever since then, I feel like God has been opening up amazing doors for me. That's just, that's awesome. Man, bro, you don't, you, God's design is just amazing. Yeah. Let me tell you something. And and I'm just, I'm just shooting from the hip right now. When I started this podcast, I had no idea, just this whole podcast series, I had no idea how much it would help me. Because so many times as creatives, you go for the accolades. It's like, I, you know, hopefully I can get a Grammy or, or yeah. a Stella or, or something. And, mm-hmm. and talking to people, um, week after week, and I asked the questions like, "What's one of your most successful, sto- memorable success stories?" Two weeks ago, I just spoke with a Grammy award-winning songwriter, and he was like, "Yeah, one of my most successful memories is when it helped somebody, you know, that was going to commit suicide." And I'm just like, he didn't bring up the Grammy at all, you know, Lionel Birmingham. It's like all the accolades. He didn't bring none of that up. He was like family. 
And so it's just amazing. A lot of times we chase like, oh, that's what you got to get that. And it's like, at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, that's nice. I won't take it. I'll take it. But that's (laughs) not what it is. Like, that's not the major thing. Yes. Yeah. That's 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 the exactly. That's not the major thing. And I feel like the, the 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 minor things are like sprinkles. They're like they're like accents. They're like seasoning to mm-hmm. something that God is cooking. Like God understands that um, we need affirmation. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what your love language is, because you know we can talk about that on another podcast. Right, right. I, for me, my 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 main love language is definitely words of affirmation, and I realize it because I find myself doing it to other people freely, not even looking for anything back. But I almost wonder if subconsciously I'm basically saying, like, hey, I'm giving you this affirmation because for one, I think you're really dope. But I'm also hoping that you have a little bit left over to throw some back at me because it'll make me feel good. Mm-hmm. And th- I find that that is, is like the the secret sauce to like this thing because we can call ourselves successful. And however you see success, I don't knock anybody's way they see success. But I know for me, um, if given an opportunity to talk to people who see success in material things or things that they can, or that, that are tangible, I say that's nice. But if you look at it as the the icing, as opposed to the main portion of the meal, right? I think you you can still enjoy that ride. Or if you got a Bentley, you could. I don't. I don't think there's anything wrong with any of that stuff. But just make sure that it's it's the in the on the in the right order of things. And I think that's when. The blessings come because when God can or whoever people believe is God, I know you and I believe in the same God, but whoever we believe that God is, there is a, there is a relationship uh, opportunity there. And if we are, if we want to, let's say, for, for example, you and I, you know, we, we worked in the past together back when I was a student at SAE and then eventually <laughs> in other times, <laughs> you know, um, and I felt like every time I, I you know, I, I played with you. Or if I was singing and you were the drummer as well as someone else um, being accompanying me, I felt like you you we need we you knew how to we knew how to flow. I would never try to overdo it. Um, and even when I gave you direction for like the some of the stuff we did together, I'd be like, "Yo, just just do you." And that was how I felt it should be. So when it goes back to God, it's like give give God an opportunity to trust you. And in order to do that. It's like intentions. If you know your intentions are pure, if you know your intentions on getting this car is because you need something that's going to get you from point A to point B, the car is also built well, it'll last a really long time. And let's throw a name on it. Let's say it's a BMW. Let's say it's a Mercedes. My dad's been telling me for years, these are the best built cars on earth just because of how German engineering, all that stuff. And so as a kid, nerdy kid, that's what I was thinking all along. But I have some friends who are like, nah, get the, get, you get it because it looks nice. And, and, the, and the girl sitting with, with, you know, with you in there looks nice too. And I felt like if God is like, okay, there's two people. I want to see how each of these two people approach this thing. Mm-hmm. Is this guy going to approach the Grammy like, oh, this Grammy is everything. I've only been working for this. Mm-hmm. Right? And God is like, oh, okay, I see you. And then there's the other guy who's like, who humbly accepts the award is like, I'd like to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, 
Without him, nothing is possible. And that could be a speech for all you and I know. Right, right, right. But right. uh, he literally takes the Grammy and gives it to his mom or gives, takes the Grammy and gives it to some kid who's like a terminal, terminally ill patient because the, the award, the acknowledgement was great. He is appreciative of that. But there is nothing in the award itself. It's just a mo- it's just a thing. And so when we make that difference, I think that's when God is like, okay, I'm just going to give you all the blessings because you you clearly understand the relationship that I want to have with you because I know you. I I invented you in so many ways. I designed you, and I want what's best for you. So I think for me, I just had to piggyback off of what you were talking about. I thought that was really powerful. Nice, nice. Yeah, definitely, man. Definitely. So let, let me ask this. Yeah. What's next for Greg? What's next for G? Man, what's next for G? Um, I've been um, building Frank Village Studios, which is our post audio post uh, facility. Um, we've been obviously specializing in with um, music and audio for film, TV, games, now audiobooks and podcasts. But I've been talking it over with my team. I finally have a team, uh, which is something I, <laughs> I haven't been able to say for many years, over 20 years. And it's for one, it's smart. It, it it's 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 just makes sense. Some of the best teams on earth, some of the best championships have been won with great teams. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Jordan and Kobe, God 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 rest him. These are all people who are testaments and testimonies of like, yes, I'm nice by myself, but with these dudes, oh, I can take anybody. And so for us, um, expanding um, into real post production would be. The next step for us, like I'm talking visual effects, video editing, um, anything that has to do with the non-audio side, I feel like our clients who come to us would feel more prone to stick around and maybe refer us if they're like, oh, so I can do my music, my sound, and I can have somebody edit my video and do the special effects visually all here. Because that's where I came up when I was interning at a post-production facility in New York. Um, They literally one-stop shop. They made it so that they had everything there. Um, but that's just one thing. I think what's really next for me is getting getting back in shape, man. That's huge for me because as a former athlete, my body is cussing me out every day. <laughs> you already know this sedentary lifestyle is, yeah. is tough. For one, you get into the zone, so you forget that you got to use the bathroom. You forget that the last time you ate was maybe over eight hours ago. And if it wasn't for our wives, Mm-hmm. real about it our wives and maybe our moms and i think my mom every every now and again calls me and say hey did you eat um you know we'd, <laughs> we'd be dried up prunes <laughs> drinking the water all of that oh man so you know technology's been a real great help for that my apple watch obviously reminds me to, to stand up every now and again and i actually listen <laughs> that's what's- um, but that's what's really next for me is like um taking the steps that will ensure the legacy of my children. And when I say ensure, I don't say it of my own volition because I know that obviously God has a plan for my life. But the goal is always to create some form of something my children can fall back on and build something on top of. Mm -hmm. Say, well, daddy left behind Frank Village Studios. I really don't want it Frank Village Studios, but I can use the momentum that he taught me with everything as, um, you know, my children were exposed to entrepreneurship at a very young age. So from the time Eliel, you know, my young, my oldest, mm-hmm. from the time he was born, I was already doing it. Mm-hmm. So he'd come in and his experience wasn't like waking up, rubbing his eyes and where is daddy? And mommy's like, oh, daddy's at work. Of course, I did some odd jobs and I did some things working with Apple and stuff like that. But for the most part, 
my son would walk in on me working, like playing keys or mixing stuff. And that was one of the first things that said to me, like, wow, I really can change something here. If I may share really quickly, Mm-hmm. One of the things that always annoyed me when I was growing up was like, man, why do I always have to be the pace setter? Why do I always have to be the first to do this, the first to do that? Like, I'm like the first real musician in my family, unless somebody in my family <laughs> will call in later and be like, oh, that's not true. Um, but I'm the first one that I know of. Mm-hmm. Um, at least I'm also the first entrepreneur, I believe, the one who's actually started a business and stuck with it. So, I started to get annoyed. Like, why do I got to always be? And then I realized like, maybe that's a part of my purpose. Maybe my purpose is to be that person that breaks ground. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not my purpose to drive on a, on a paved road that's already been paved. Maybe it's, it is to me to get out my ax and my pick and my whatever, all the tools I need to pave a road and do that for my children and for the rest of my family. Mm-hmm. So I've been really listening to that. And I think that there's something there for me, whether it's building a church or expanding Frank Villa Studios to Atlanta, um, whatever it might be, I'm just listening. I really want to make sure that whatever I do, you know, is for God's glory at the end of the day. Um, and also to make sure that my family can see that there's something left behind. Mm-hmm. There's something for us to build on. There's a platform here where if my my daughter who's wants to get into dance, she's actually, um, and my middle daughter, she's into dance. Um, if she wants to start her own dance studio, she can because she's seen a she's seen the the steps that it took. Both our parent, both her parents are entrepreneurs. I was about and, to say that your yeah. your wife is in is an entrepreneur as well. Yeah, she's not playing around, bro. She's like that's literally. Oh man, that's she, what's up. This shirt should actually say "Mom," and then she should be wearing it because she's held down everybody. Like this whole Frank Villa Studios would not be what it is without her. She designed the website, the logo all her touch but i think ultimately is would be to a um get people always ask me then i always say look how come you didn't say give glory to god first i'm like well that's because that's by default that's why i don't say it i live it right to answer the question more thoroughly leave a legacy behind not just financially because it's like the whole teach a man to fish thing right Mm -hmm. Um, my goal is to teach them how to fish teach them how to as opposed to giving them fish all the time. I heard, heard Will Smith say it to his kids, like, um, you're not rich, mommy and daddy are rich. You know, And <laughs> while it's funny, it's also a great, great teaching tool because it's like, look, of course, if you're in trouble, I'm gonna give you something. Of course, if you need something, I will lend you this. But the whole concept is to teach you to one day you be the lender. So it's all about legacy for me. I think that's the real next step. I, I'm embracing these gray hairs, mm-hmm. uh, teaching other people, Again, like young musicians like myself who didn't have the formal training, who um, were ostracized by real musicians who would push them aside. Mm-hmm. I know what that all of that's like. So for me, giving back and being a mentor now is another big step for me, reaching out to. And I have these interns. They're really young. They look up to me. And I find it as an opportunity. It's like, okay, great. I can finally get rid of some of this knowledge that I've been holding on to for all these years. And that feels, it feels great. That's, that's great. dope, man. That's dope. So what's the what's, what's the best way people can follow you, support? Oh, man. Yeah. So uh, GregoryVillefrank.com or FrankVillageStudios.com. All wrote, it all leads to the same place. Nice. Um, all of my, oh, at least all of my handles are, are the same, at least last time I checked. So Instagram is at GregoryVillefrank. Uh, Facebook, which I'm rarely over on, is at GregoryVillefrank as well. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's a Facebook Frank Village Studios page. LinkedIn is where I spend lots of my time um, really? when, it comes to, when it comes to business stuff. So yeah. if people want to connect with me on a business aspect, um, that's another great way to reach me. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a team now. I have an assistant. I have people that um, sort of take the brunt of things and they look and make sure that, okay, are you here, are you here for real stuff or are you here to like, you know? Yeah. Um, so support at frankvillagestudios.com is the email address of, of my, uh, my esteemed colleague. I'm not sure how wise that was. <laughs> I did it out. Uh, but yeah, even on Twitter, I'm at Gregory Villefranc. Um, and um, yeah, that's how you can find me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Dude, I really, I really appreciate the time. I appreciate the authenticity, the candidness, your yeah. friendship. I mean, everything. It's just... Likewise. It's, it's what's up, man. It's really what's up. I thank you. Um, I thank everybody else for tuning in. I really appreciate y'all supporting the, the Words for Life podcast. Uh, those of you that know about Be More Today, I thank you for supporting Be More Today. If you don't know about Be More Today, it's it's a company my partner, Dr. Sean Thomas, and I, uh, we set up just to encourage you, inspire you to stay physically and spiritually fit. So you can check that out at bemoretoday.com. B-E-M-O-R-E-T-O-D-A-Y.com. If you haven't done so already, please like, subscribe, share this podcast, this episode. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna put all the links, your Instagram, all of that stuff in the description. In the show notes, so, yes. Yeah, the description of the podcast, it'll be there so people could just scroll, click, and they'll go right there. And oh. One more thing. We're going to end with a Words for Life track. So as, stay tuned. At the end of this, you'll hear Words for Life track. Hopefully that'll bless your life. And once again, I hope that something that was said here has inspired you to make the rest of your life the best part of your life. Yes. And with that, we're out. There's a lie in the church that people who have faith should never suffer from suicidal ideation. And that's just not reality. Just because you have faith doesn't mean you're protected from pain, and people can never predict how you're going to respond to pain. People think that they understand your pain, but they really honestly don't because they don't know how you're experiencing what you're going through. Even if they've gone through the same thing or something similar, you're a different person, so it hits you differently. But your pain does not have to define your life. See, for many people who have come to the edge and who have maybe even attempted suicide, if they have survived their attempt, many people say that they didn't want their life to end, but what they wanted to end was their pain. And the question I think we need to wrestle with is, do I want my life to end or do I want my pain to end? And there is a way to end your pain without ending your life. See, just because you have faith doesn't mean that 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 you'll never wonder and that you'll never think about taking your life. Even Elijah, the prophet of God, at one point asked God to take his life. In 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4, he literally asked God to end his life. And God, being a wise and loving God, responds to him with empathy and with encouragement. First thing that God does to help bring Elijah back from the edge is that God gives Elijah some food. This tells us that 
Sometimes we're down, sometimes we're depressed, sometimes we're on the edge because of how our body is enduring or going through what we're dealing with. Sometimes it's just that we're tired. Sometimes it's just that we're hungry. Sometimes it's that it's that it's that we're exhausted. And when our body is depleted, our thoughts will also reflect what's going on with our bodies. The other thing that God does is that God changes Elijah's perspective. Elijah believes that he's the only prophet in all of Israel that is still honoring and worshiping the one true God. And isn't it just like us to believe from time to time that I'm the only one who's going through this. I'm the only one who understands. I'm the only one who's in this situation. So God has to let Elijah know the perspective you have is not accurate. Yes, you're in pain. Yes, you're lonely. Yes, you're tired. But there are 7,000 other prophets that have not bowed the knee to Baal. And this encourages Elijah, one, for him to recognize that, hey, I need some food in my life. I need to take care of my body. But then two, for him to recognize that his perspective is not permanent, that his perspective is not the reality, and that there is a greater reality at hand. The reality is there are others who are still experiencing what he's experiencing and they're holding on. And this encourages Elijah for him to realize, one, I'm not by myself. And two, the same way God has sustained them, God will also sustain me. What I want you to remember is that though you may want your pain to end, that does not mean that your life has to end. There are other ways of ending your pain without ending your life. God ends Elijah's pain by giving him some food. God ends Elijah's pain by shifting his perspective. And God ends Elijah's pain by encouraging him to hold on so that he can come to the point where he recognizes that his life is bigger than his pain. If you're considering ending it, hold on, allow your perspective to change, and your pain will end, and your life doesn't have to. I hope that for somebody who might be considering making a permanent decision based off of a temporary feeling, that this is the kind of message that will encourage you to keep on going. If you're considering committing suicide, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. 1-800-273-8255.